together forever. We're always going to be family. You can't change that. And that's one of the ideas that Paul wants to get across here, to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, that Philadelphia love, um, that thoughtfulness, that bond that we have, always remembering that this unity is not going to change for eternity. That's who we are. We're all covered by the same blood, and it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. So as we think about how we treat one another, the first thought we have to have is to cherish one another, to be so grateful and thankful that we're in each other's, in each other's lives, that God has brought us all together to be here at the same time in the same place. And even if we go to other places and we encounter other Christians at other times, our thought should be, this is my brother and sister in Christ. Not just a brother and sister, but in Christ. And in that, we want to have the thought that we cherish them. We cherish one another. We are so overwhelmingly thankful that nothing else can change our thinking in that regard. Nothing's going to change the fact that we're thankful for one another. Even, even in our best efforts to do so, we're not going to change that thought. And then he says, in honor, give preference to one another. To honor, in the Greek, would be to esteem to show dignity towards, to give dignity to. But it also speaks of something that has value. Our American dictionary would say is to regard or treat someone with admiration and respect, to regard or treat with honor in the verb sense. So Paul is telling us here that we need to admire one another, we need to cherish one another, we need to respect one another. And it's all because it's all centered around this one thought that we always have to begin with when we're thinking of one another. If we, if we start with our relationships as one another, it's going to be hard to get off on the right foot sometimes because we're always going to start in the flesh. So we always start with this one thought. We are all redeemed by the blood of Christ. We are all purchased by the same blood. The same Savior gave his life for each and every one of us. I am not more precious to God than you are. And so I need to look at you. If I take my time, if I, if I spend my real valuable time really appreciating and thinking about what Jesus Christ did for me, then I have to look at you and realize he did the exact same thing for you. And if I'm not looking at you that way, then there's a high probability I'm not maybe realizing what he did for me in its totality. We need to look at one another as something that Christ thought was so valuable, that God thought was so valuable he would give his only son, that Christ thought was so valuable he would go to the cross for so we cherish one another. It's, it's, this, it's this thought, it's the, it's the word that's used for how valuable something is based on what was paid for it. That's, that's the biblical idea of this word honor. How valuable is that which we are told to give affection to when we realize what was paid for it? That's one another. So we need to treat each other with that admiration and with that respect as, as, as another person that Christ died for, as if that was the only person Christ died for. That would be the proper reference of the kind of admiration and honor Christ wants us to give one another. That's the person Christ died for. That's the person. I love to sit and think, I'm the one he died for, right? That deepens my relationship with him. 
But I need to go deeper than that when it comes to looking at one another. You're the one he died for. So how do I treat you? I need to treat you like one that he died for, so I should have all respect towards you. You were that precious to God that you're the one he died for. So how do I treat you? Well, he says, in honor, give preference to one another. And this word preference has a more literal definition of leading the way, showing the way in which it should be done. So I'm going to make sure that everything is done for you. I'm going to give honor to you. It's all about you. It's not about me. It's about you who are the precious redeemed of God, the one purchased by Christ's blood. And that's how I'm going to treat you. It's not just about making sure you get to go first. Right? Uh, you, no, you go first. Oh, you go first. Right? We, we can spend all day like Chip and Dale at Chipmunks. No, you, no, you, no, you, no, you. Right? Like that annoying little cartoon. Somebody go. So, but the idea is, I want you to feel like I rolled out the red carpet. In honor. Here, please. This is all about you. I am here for you. What do you need? How can I make you feel more special and more important? What can I do to make you feel as that special redeemed by Christ? What can I do? What can I say? What can I abandon of myself so that you feel the way God sees you? That's an honor-giving preference. I want to cherish you. And I want to look at you and say, man, that right there, that Mike, man, what, I don't know, what I need doesn't matter. Mike, what do you need? What, what, do, what do you need? What can I do for you? What can I sacrifice for you? How do I show you that? When we really break it down in a, in a way... Part of what we're talking about is humility. I'm, I'm going to humble myself for your needs. That's, that's kind of another way of looking at it. And as I was thinking about this idea, you know, when we often think about humility or putting others' needs before our own, sorry about all the water. We often think, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm going to decrease so that you have the, the place, right? I'm going to step down so that you have the place. But what if maybe what we need to think about is I'm going to stay right where I am and I'm going to lift you above me. How about that thought? How about not just, now there's humility in that, but I want to kind of change the perspective. Where are we looking at it from? If you're here, and I put you before me, certainly I can step down and say, how can I support you? What can I do for you where you are so you don't fall? But what about in Christ? I say, I'm here. Christ has established me in this position. Now I'm going to lift you above me. I'm going to lift you above me. I'm going to give you honor. I'm going to put you up high. Now we encourage now we lift up. Now we exhort. Now we bless. It's just a different way of looking at one another and how we can put this into practice. It's both. 
I don't want to say one over the other. I just want to think of the opportunity that we have sometimes to not always just decrease, but to lift up in a way that encourages. We also do this in understanding one another. You know, it's, it's, it's a matter of understanding each other's struggles, our weaknesses, our limitations, and supporting one another. That's where the idea of respect comes from. Always remember, respect is not based on what I think is respectful. Any you want some water? I have to embarrass you. You're a teenage girl. You're in church. Um, I don't have girls, so when I get an opportunity, I'd like to embarrass them. The, um, so um, now you're red from coughing in because I called you out. So the, um, uh, so the idea of respect now, remember, is how you feel respected. It's not about what I think is respectful and go, here it is, this is the way I do things. That's not cherishing someone, that's not honoring someone. Respect comes from the idea that what do you need that makes you feel respected? I don't get to define that. I don't get to make you fit into my mold. I have to work around you. If I really want to love you as Christ does, then I'm going to find out what your needs are. That's how I honor you. That's how I show affection to you. And that's how I respect you. I need to find out where you're struggling. Where's your weakness? It's not about what I understand. And it's not about what's right or what's wrong. It's about finding what's at the heart of the person, of the fellow Christian, and saying, how can I bless you? How can I benefit you? Looking up at the verse 3 in Romans 12, Paul says this, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. If I'm thinking of myself, it's going to be very hard for me to honor you. It's going to be very hard for me to show preference to you because I'm thinking of myself. This is what I want. This is what I think is right. This is the way I think it should go. So let's go. It doesn't work that way in the body. Now, in this section right here, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but Paul actually sandwiches verse 3 and 10 around the gifts in the body. So we need to realize that we all have gifts and we're all here. So now, in the context of this chapter, I need to look at this as how can I honor your gifts? How can I benefit? How can I show preference to you and what God has given you? I have gifts. You have gifts. I have talents. You have talents. We all do. That's what makes the body the body. But I have to remember, we all have to remember, in the body, as it works together as a body, I only have what I have because God gave it to me. I don't have any gift and I don't have any talent that's superior to anyone else's and it's certainly not because of anything I did. Same for you. What you have and what God has given you to do here to bless and edify the body 
that's not any more important than anyone else's. If we say that I have to do this, you have to get out of my way, we don't understand the gifts and how a body works. The only reason we have these things is because they've been given to us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only indwells within us because Christ, in his abundant mercy and grace, died for us on the cross of Calvary. And he covered us with his blood. He covered our unrighteousness and our wickedness and our sin. He has taken our unworthiness and our filthy rags, and he has made us righteous in his righteousness, and he has clothed us with garments that are whiter than snow. So if I look at what God has given me from that perspective, how can I put mine before yours? I haven't earned anything. I haven't done anything. Whatever it is I have to do here that God has enabled me or you, it is by him, it is through him, and it is for him. So if anything I do interferes with you doing that, I have to be wrong. In Galatians 5, Paul writes, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. He says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. See, what interferes with honoring and preferring one another is our own wants and our own desires. This is what I want to do. This is where I think we should go. This is what I think we should do. Get in line with me and my thinking. But the body has to work together. So we have to empty ourselves, think of one another, and how can we do all these things in a way that makes everyone feel special, precious, with a purpose, not our own way. Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Beginning in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues. To another ter- I didn't even want to go that far because now I've got to correct all that stuff. But hey, we'll leave that out for another day. So, in verse 11, one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? 
And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, so that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And we know that more excellent way is what? Love. Who said? Thank you. Love. Love is the more excellent way. See, we get so caught up in what we're doing as part of the body that we forget the whole rest of the body is precious and important. If we want to be full in Christ and full in Christ and here in the church, here at Brantford Bible Chapel, we need to realize that every person has a gift and needs to be encouraged and given an opportunity to use it. However, we tend to lean towards what we do. That's where we're going to spend our time. That's where we're going to put our focus. But we need each other. And we need to thoroughly appreciate one another and the gifts that God has given. So by giving preference and honor, I'm showing appreciation for what God has done in you and God putting you here. See, the gift, what Paul is saying here, the gift is not the most important thing. What God has gifted you to do is not the most important thing. You are. You are what is most important. The fact that we're together is what is most important. That's what Christ wants us to focus on. So Paul gives all these examples, the hand, the foot, and the eye, and I was kind of thinking, you know, the, uh, the hand that paints can't say, look what I made, because it has no idea. <laughs> the eye can't say, look what I made, because it didn't do anything. It didn't paint it, right? They worked together. The eye has to say, thank you for making that what I saw and recreating it so I can look at it forever. The hand has to say, thanks for the vision so that I could be used and do something as a hand. And they both have to look to the foot and say, 
thanks for taking us on that walk where we saw the awesomeness of God's creation so that we could come back and what you saw, I can paint. They can't say, look what I did because they didn't do anything without each other. So it needs to be, thank you for painting what I saw. Thank you for allowing me to make what you saw. Thank you for taking us to where we could see it. See how the body works? It's a whole different mentality. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about the other members. Now, there's a lot of different uh, verses that are given, and I'm not going to go through each one of them, but I want to let you know that there's also, as you know, some specifics when it comes to showing honor. We're told in 1 Timothy to honor widows. Think about how we could do that. I know Brian talked about hospitality. Um, A lot of different things that can be done. Children are to honor their parents. Husbands and wives are to honor each other. Elders are to be honored. We're to honor our boss, our supervisor. And even in 1 Peter, he writes, honor all people. See, we have the opportunity to make a difference in this world, not just in the church, but in the world. Because the world says, look at me, honor me. But those of us who have found peace in Christ say, I honor my Lord. I desire nothing for myself. It is all about him. So now what can I do for you so that it points to him? It's about showing grace when someone is going through a hard time. It's about taking the time to know what someone's going through. Taking the time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put aside my wants, my needs, and the things I want to do and find out what you need. That's how I show honor. I show you that you are valuable. I put aside that which has no value for that which is the most valuable, that which Christ redeemed. We show honor by showing respect to one another when we don't agree. Because what's more important? One another. One another is more important. How we treat each other, how we speak to one another, how we consider one another. We show honor when we do all the one another's. Believe it or not, bearing one another's burdens, praying for one another, admonishing, having peace, all these things are a way of showing honor to one another because it puts the other person ahead of ourselves. That's really what Christ did. When Christ washed the disciples' feet, turn with me to John 13, please. Now, before the feast of the Passover, verse 1, when Jesus knew that his hour had come that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, 
rose from supper, and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Here is the Lord himself taking on the responsibility of the servant of the home, the host of the home. It was their responsibility to make the guests feel welcome and special, washing the dirt off their feet. And why it hadn't been done by now is a mystery other than that the Lord left it so that he could do it and give this example for us. I think the key to this is in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. See, there's a, there's a mindset that comes from honoring others. And it's a mindset that comes from the peace of knowing who we are in Christ. It's a mindset that comes from, I don't need. I don't need. What can I do for the other? Here is Christ at the supper that honors him. Washing their feet. Because he knew all that had been given to him. So he's able to even take this towel on and wash their feet with the very towel he's wearing. So he's taken on their filth. He's taken on their dirt. Yeah, it was a cultural thing. We don't walk around in sandals and dirt. <laughs> Some people do. But we, uh, the reality is the lesson from Christ. Humbling ourselves, not taking the highest seat at the table, as Christ warned, where you'll be rejected and sent to the back, but sitting at the back of the table, not just so that we don't get embarrassed, but so that someone else can take the seat of honor at the table. Maybe someone is more deserving than me that should sit at the head of the table. I'm going to take the last seat. Do I take the farthest parking spot on Sunday morning, not the closest when I'm, when I'm here early? Do I sit in the middle of the row, not the end, so it makes it easier for people who come in late? Do I do whatever? Whatever it takes to make others feel more precious and special, even if they don't know it. See, it's not about getting credit for it. It's about making sure others just feel a certain way. Because if we're doing it for any credibility, we miss the whole point. That's what separates us from the world. It's not about me. Yeah, it's a, it, you know what? It's a struggle in the workplace. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but it is really hard sometimes not to go, hey, wait a minute, that was my idea. <laughs> you know? But it shouldn't matter to us. All that we have and all that we need is found in Christ. So let us look to the other's needs so we can lift them up. I want to close with Philippians 2, please. Hey, Josh, you want to throw that slide up for me? It's all about Christ, and it's all from Christ. Philippians 2. Sometimes, you know, uh, I don't know if I've ever said this before. Forgive me if I have. 
sometimes I feel like I have these go-tos. And it's like, is this verse just a crutch that I feel like I want to put in every message or something? But the, let, the, let the Word of God never become a cliche. If it's one verse that we read over and over every time, or, or different ones we find every time, it doesn't matter. It's still the Word of God. So I hope this is precious to you. Philippians 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself, to give honor to one another. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is who we serve. This is who we call Lord. This is the name we take when we say Christian. Who are you? What are you? I'm a Christian. Are you this or are you that? No, man, I'm a Christian. But are you this or are you that? I'm a Christian. You know what that means? That means I love and serve and I'm owned by the one who went to the cross for me, by the one who left the glory of heaven. When it says he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, that means he did not think it was worth fighting for and grabbing onto and holding onto this equality because he was submissive to the Father. That is who I call Lord. That is who I am a bondservant to. And he made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant. And he came in flesh for the express purpose of dying for you and I. Let this mind be in us. That the humility that Christ bore that led him to the cross. The humility that said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He never cried out, I don't deserve this, this isn't fair, because he knew what awaited him. This is the one that we give honor and preference to each other in his name, for his glory. I don't do it for mine, you don't do it for yours. We do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? Before I close in prayer, I just wanted to put up all the one another's that we did. I hope you can read that okay. Um, just again, a snapshot of everything we've covered. These are not really all the one another's in the Bible. But we began with love one another. And we went to bear one another's burdens. And we said pray for one another. Admonish one another. Have peace one with another. Submit to one another. Consider one another. Use hospitality one toward another. Serve one another. 
exhort and edify one another and in honor prefer one another. We purposely chose the first and the last to sandwich all these one another's because we felt it made sense when we went through them and looked at them all to put them in between these two thoughts. It's, it's almost the same thought. Well, they all kind of have the same thought, just in a different application. But what we began with John 13, 35, love one another as I have loved you. Take the time to make sure you meditate daily if you can. You should be daily. More, all day, really. What has Christ done for me? And in that, what can I do for others? What can I give of myself? Because he has given that much He's given that much for me. He's given me everything. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We are so very thankful that our view, his view of us, I should say, your view of us, your desire for us, is expressed in what it costs to redeem us. We see the overwhelming value that only you could see. Thank you that we were worth purchasing, that we were worth redeeming in the only way we could be, through the blood of your Son. So, Lord, in our gratitude and in our humility, help us to give honor to one another, to love one another as he has loved us. He put our needs before his and went to Calvary. May we cherish one another and recognize what you see in us, that which is worth sacrificing for, that which is exalting and picking up not seeking our own glory, but making sure one another is blessed and encouraged and comforted and made to feel as special as you have made them. Oh Lord, we thank you so much for making us one. Not leaving us as as little individuals lost in the world, doing our own little thing. But God, you have brought us all together to be one body, each to fulfill a purpose, And in that purpose, honoring one another. So Lord God, I thank you for each person here at Brantford Bible Chapel. And I pray that we would love one another as you have loved us. Be exalted, be glorified, and may this community, may the state, may this world know that we are yours by the way that we love one another. May they be in awe, not for our glory, Lord God, but for yours. So again, Lord God, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be all glory. To his name alone be honor. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as Brian said, they're going to open up some doors. And if you are physically able to carry a chair out, that would be great.